Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of BU with Declan Edwards. I'm so excited for you to join me today for this episode. This is the final episode of season two of the uh, Wizards of Wellbeing series. So that is the mini series we run on this show where I sit down with guest experts and professionals who I think are creating absolute magic in people's lives, particularly in the fields of personal development and well-being. Now, our final guest for season two is joining me today all the way from Queensland. He is quickly becoming quite a good friend of mine. We first connected in early 2020 when he was organizing an amazing summit and asked me to be one of the headlining speakers for it, which I was incredibly honored by. Uh, our good friend who is joining us, I'm, I'm not going to build the suspense anymore, is the man by the name of Matt Boyce, and he is the founder of the Human Connection Project his hashtag, his tagline, which I love, how good's living, is such a great expression of this man. This man is all about how do we create lives where we feel deeply connected to others, where we feel empowered to look after our happiness and well-being, and when we recognize that life is a blessing and that it is a privilege to have it. And at the end of the day, we get to sit down and go, you know what, how good's living. So in this episode of the show, Matt and I get deep into some pretty important topics like what inspired him to go down this route. His background was being a uh, a chippy and being a tradie and starting to have conversations that were pretty difficult. We talk about his own dark moments in his past where he really struggled after losing a close friend. We talk about the gripes that we share about uh, the approach to mental health around the world at the moment, how it's very reactive, very awareness only focused, and there needs to be more done in a practical sense. And of course, we talk about Matt's favorite tool and analogy to help you get clarity on what a great life means to you and create a life in alignment with that. There's some great value in this episode. There's some great conversations that have been had, and I cannot wait for you to get into it. So with that said, please join me in welcoming Matt to the show. Okay, Matt, thank you and uh, welcome to the show. I was thinking this morning, as we were just catching up, it's sort of a nice little role reversal from about a month and a bit ago. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you're interviewing me for your podcast and for your show. And mate, I'm actually quite excited for this episode to find out a bit more about the backstory behind why you do what you do. Because, I mean, obviously, we've connected in the last couple of months, really found a similar vein of interest and passion in helping people, especially through positive psychology as well. I know we're both very interested in that field. Um, And obviously I've had the privilege and honor of getting to know a little bit of the backstory and a little bit of sort of what led you to do this. Um, But I know for me, I'm really curious to sort of dive into that a bit more and unpack it. I'm always curious about the people behind the purpose. Um, So mate, rather than me sort of butchering your your story and doing it from memory and hitting a few uh, creative uh, right license, uh, creative right jumps of, uh, of oh, storytelling. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, I'll throw it to you and mate, I'll get you to introduce yourself to our audience and just, I guess, take us back to where this whole movement of what you're doing with the Human Connection Project, like, and you know, how good's living is a catchphrase. I love it. It mm. sticks in my mind every time I see it. Where did that all come from? Well, mate, first of all, Massive thanks for having me on. Obviously, I, I really enjoy the role reversal, like you said. So pumped to be here. But uh, 
Look, I guess a quick backstory of me is I'll give you from the get-go is born and raised in Perth, Western Australia. Um, you know, little grommet kid, surfed, surf club, played rugby league my whole life. Uh, and I left school in year 10 to pursue a carpentry apprenticeship. Uh, I was definitely a tactile learner. You know, sitting in a classroom for me was just everything that I'm not about and still continue to not be about. So entered the trade world. I was a carpenter, so fully fledged tradesman by the time my friends finished school, which was a cool uh, and also weird position to find myself in. <clears throat> uh, and on the construction site, you know, I was the one that was putting out, I guess, for lack of a better word, vibes um, that, you know, if you wanted to talk that I was your man, like if you wanted to get stuff off your chest, then I was up for those conversations and I was having them myself uh, anyway. So it was kind of a, <clears throat> a natural progression that at the Smoko break or at the lunch break that I'd just be talking to people about, you know, whether it's problems at home with their wife, kids, you know, they're not happy with their job, you know, they're arranged from their mother and they need to, you know, they're <clears throat> feeling dark about that and they want to reconnect or, you know, and everything in between. Uh, go back 10 years now, I moved to Queensland to pursue the rugby league career. Uh, moved over here and realised that the level of skill was a lot higher. <laughs> uh, so played a, a few years in the Queensland competition, um, spent my time between two different clubs at South Logan and Redcliffe. And whilst uh, in that uh, field, I guess, became really close with uh, my best mate at the time, was Justin Cullen. Uh, we pretty much became inseparable uh, and I continued down that conversation element of human connection. Uh, I was still practicing carpentry over here uh, and I was also working at a, a CrossFit gym. So I was definitely still in the human connections field. Uh, and then five years ago, Justin went on a surf trip uh, and tragically never came back. He passed away on the surf trip in an accident and it just rocked me uh, to my absolute core. I went from being the person facilitating these conversations around, you know, troubles at home and whatever to really needing someone to facilitate them back to me. And I always, I guess, start this little part of my story with, I have, uh, I did, and I still do have the most supportive family and friends in the absolute world. Um, you know, my parents and my sister in particular were there for me every second of the day when I was really quite struggling. And it, it wasn't until many years later that they realized how bad it was. And, I wasn't just sad, you know, I thought about taking my own life probably more times than I'd like to admit. So it did really get quite dark, but whilst I had everyone there, uh, I felt really disconnected. Uh, I felt like I had no one to turn to. Uh, I felt like I had just, I had learnt hopelessness. Um, you know, obviously heavily in the field that you work in, this learnt hopelessness and I felt there was no way out. Uh, I couldn't connect with anyone no matter how hard I tried. You know, we had multiple barbecues at Justin's house after he passed with all the guys that were mates with him and I just felt like I was a bit of a stranger or a bit of a loner at these barbecues. Uh, and it just became something that I was, I became obsessed with human connection and finding out the framework behind it, you know, what actually makes us connected to one another, what makes us feel like we have human connection as opposed to just feel like, feel like we're close to somebody. Um, so for the past five years, I guess, Declan, I've worked on creating frameworks and structures around how to not only develop human connection, but to foster deeper connections between people, you know, talking to, to the likes of yourself, uh, other psychologists, counsellors, you know, just... 
mentors in the field, everything in, in between, you know, tradies that have conversation all the way up to clinical settings. Uh, and I've just got a really good handling on how we can make human connection flourish. Uh, and I guess during this period, you know, uh, oh, I go back 15 years, I kind of first donned how good's living uh, just as a throwaway catchphrase. And then it's kind of just progressed into an everyday motto now. So I, I wear these shirts literally every day. Uh, it's quite uncommon to see me in anything else. Uh, and now I'm just out there spruiking how good's living and, and human connection and trying to get people to just be really proactive with both their mental health and their overall well-being because you know we'll get into it but it's we have a very reactive mental health system here in Australia and all around the world um, so what we're trying to do and it's a very uh, it's a BHAG for those that don't know a big hairy audacious goal we want to create the largest proactive mental health and human connection led charity in Australia I love that man and I, I imagine and correct me if I'm wrong on this the uptake of that message and this mission and this vision and sort of the, um, you know, important conversations and topics that you were spreading. The, I imagine the uptake was an instant because if we're going back, what, five, 10, 15 years, mental health and talking about mental health back then was just hardly what it is today. And we've still got a long way to go. I think we're at the point now, and I, I, I'm pretty sure you agree with me on this. I remember us having a conversation about this where we're at the point now where awareness is no longer the problem. I think people mm. are quite aware and there's enough awareness based strategies and talk. I think what we need now is action and yeah. implementation and something practical. And I, that's why I love what you're doing. But mate, talk to me about, cause I can only imagine this is a bit of a stereotype, obviously, but mm. talking to men about mental health, five, 10, 15 years ago, particularly, you know, men in construction and <laughs> trades, yeah. How did you go with starting to sort of break down that initial reluctance to have those conversations? Yeah, no, you, you, you're pretty much bang on. And I guess you kind of had to disguise it, um, mm. which is, which is, it kind of hurts to say really, but you had to disguise what the deeper topic was about. You kind of, you had to use certain words or certain phrases to kind of get into the, the conversation and then you could unpack further from there so it was kind of like you'd start with just like you know and and it's very tradey term and I, I don't really speak like a tradie anymore but you'd be you'd sit in the smoker shed and be like oh how's the missus how's the kids and then that slowly broke down barriers and then you could go deeper and so how is your relationship with your partner like do you guys do this? Do you have, have time together? You know, how are your kids? Are you working? Are you telling me that your biggest value is a family yet you're working 14 hour days in construction? Um, you know, people would just, I found men um, and we don't just work with men, but when I first started, men were just lying to themselves. They were saying, you know, I'm a family man. I'm a man of integrity, all these different values, um, which is fantastic. But what they're actually doing was so far from that. Um, so, yeah, it was a really hard conversation and the uptake was slow. Um, and we definitely made a, I remember I, I'd start a conversation with someone and you'd, you'd notice another guy just get up and walk away from the table or he'd just leave the smoker shed altogether. And, you know, I've come to terms with some people, you know, no matter how hard I try to break down that barrier, I'm just not going to break it. Um, mm. You know, which, is, which sounds a bit pessimistic, but it's also I've only got so much you know, time and resources and I want to make sure I can make the most impact. Mm. Um, well, it's up to them to also meet you halfway and yeah. to take emotional responsibility too, right? Like I know our whole team at BU, nothing sort of 
hits us more than when we have a, you know an initial discovery session with someone who's sort of looking at the accelerator program or going into freshman year and we're seeing they're going man we're about to change this person's life yeah but they're, they're not ready yet yeah and so they make the decision to delay on it not to prioritize themselves not to look after their well-being to put it on the back burner and it, it is that's it's kind of like a kick in the gut where it's like oh i i know we could do so much good together i know and past that the good that you're going to do as a result mm. and so it is that moment of like i really wish i could help but i can't help everyone yeah right and it, i think it's important that as you know practitioners in this space and people really helping spread that positive ripple effect that we also sort of embrace that for ourselves too yeah it's kind of like you know who cares for the carers is something that um you know, a buddy of mine gave me a long time ago. He started a charity called Cup of Cope, which was all about caring for carers of disability, um, those that have disabilities. Uh, and it really hit me. I was like, yeah, it's so true. Like, who's looking after the people that are spending their entire life either looking after someone with a disability or helping with mental illness and mental wealth, uh, health rather? Um, yeah, interesting, interesting points. 100% man. And so I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I, I love that you sort of just called the, uh, you know, called it out and said it how it is where I don't think it's just men, but a lot of people end up falling into the trap of lying to themselves. Where they say mm. what they value is not what they're actually practicing. I know for us, you know, we we're on tour last year and I said to people, write down your top values. And I said, okay, share your top values with the person next to you. And then um, I went, you know, pull out your calendar and show the person next to you what you booked into your calendar. Do they align with the values that you wrote down? Right. And if they couldn't, uh, if they couldn't back that up, then I was like, okay, so you're telling me you value this, but when we look at where you are spending your time, it doesn't say it. And then the real, real challenge was I said, open your bank account statements and show it to the person next to you. Like where you spend your time, your energy, your money, is any of that aligning with what you're saying your top two values are? And I love where you said, you know, these people would say, you know, I'm a family oriented person. I'm all about family. But we look at the calendar, time spent with the family is, is microscopic. And then even then, the time that they're there with the family, are they actually there? Are they present? Are they you know, engaged? Yeah. Are they really enjoying it and savoring it? I know you've been working on some, a really cool analogy that helps people sort of tap into their values and start steering life in course in alignment with their values. Talk to me about this ship analogy you've been playing with lately. Yeah. Online. I'm enjoying it. Talk, to, talk us through that. I'm uh, so I got it from a positive psychology course that I went through uh, and it was the sailboat metaphor and for someone who's been in this field for oh gosh like I don't know probably 10 years now nothing has ever made it as clear as the sailboat metaphor has and not only just clear for me but clear for me to then facilitate to others so I, I guess the the essential nuts and bolts of it is everybody's a captain you know whether we're talking to a six-year-old um, you know, about their very juvenile sort of issues or whether we're talking to an 80-year-old at the end of their life. You know, they're still the captain of their life and, and everybody in between. And then the sailboat is essentially their entire life. So, you know, the, uh, the weather. So when you're, when you're in a sailboat, obviously you can't control the weather. The weather is your environment that you're in. The island is your destination. That's your goals that you're setting. You know, the steering wheel is your actions, your controls, uh, your compass is your values, uh, all these little elements. And the most prominent one, I guess, is the leak in the boat. That's what we see as, you know, the issues we have with ourselves. whether it's, you know, okay, let's say somebody presents with, you know, they've got anorexia 
for example, you know, they deem that as their leak. So then we have to re-engineer from the back of that, you know, what are your actions? So what is your steering wheel you're pulling here? Are your values, where's your compass pointing in the right direction? Um, and then a really good point off the back of that is we have the tugboat or the lighthouse. So the tugboat and the lighthouse, you know, the tugboat would just grab the, grab the sailboat and take it out of trouble or out of harm's way. So we're not actually letting the captain learn how to use their compass, their sails, the weather examples to get them out of trouble. The lighthouse, on the other hand, shines the light on the sailboat and the rocky cliff that it's approaching and allows the captain then to use his compass and his sails and his steering wheel in his values, actions and thoughts to steer the ship to safety. Uh, and this is something we, we see so often in everyday life. All of us want to quickly just jump into that tugboat position. We want to drag our friends uh, out of the trouble. So we're not showing a whole bunch of empathy, you know, where empathy is just being the guardrails and, and empathizing with someone is, you know, understanding it, this hurts. It's getting in the well with someone who's fallen in it, not dropping the ladder down and just yanking them out. Mm. So we're losing a lot of this human connection element because people are just chucking on the tugboat and dragging everyone out of trouble. Whereas to be the most powerful we can is not just carers and facilitators and, and coaches and mentors and the like, the most powerful thing we can do is shine light on the situation, both the danger and the person mm. and help map their course out of trouble. Um, mm. Yeah. So look, the sailboat metaphor, you can spend four hours, you can spend four days, you can spend four minutes explaining it. Mm. And it just goes into more and more detail the more you explain it. But the nuts and bolts of it is around yeah, our life is a sailboat where the captain, you know, our actions, thoughts, movements all add up to this and our motivation to make change. And the, the elements of the sailboat is what we can do about it. Mm. Mate, I love that because it captures so many important concepts of well-being, mm. you know, that emotional um, responsibility and accepting that we're the captains of our life, not just sort of sitting on the side of the boat and uh, maybe getting mad where it's not going in the direction that we want it to when we're not even behind the wheel. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, addressing, okay, we, it's hard to move forward. And if there are underlying things that we're trying to ignore or oppress, that leak in the boat, like you said, I see it so often people are like, you know, it'll go away if I don't look at it. I'm like, well, mm. if you think of it like a leak in a boat, it doesn't just go away on its own. It's, yeah. And the more we ignore it, the bigger of a problem it becomes. Mm. I also want to <clears throat> mention and point out like all good uh, captains of the ocean. Of course, we have our trusty second mate, which is our, our good furry friend, our sea dog with us, which I think I heard <laughs> yeah, uh, you've you got can... yours there. Mine's sitting across from me, sticking his head up from the lounge now. Mine's very boisterous. <laughs> So mate, talk to me about, I know you've probably used, you mentioned obviously your values being the compass and using that to make decisions and to change direction. So if you're sailing in one direction, you come back to the compass, back to the values and go, oh, hang on. Okay. We might be a little bit off tack here. I know that's mm. something that's happened recently um, mm. in the Human Connection Project. Talk me through that as a decision-making process. Yeah, absolutely. So I... Um... <clears throat> I guess I stole this and I have no idea where I stole it from, but somebody once said something along the lines of battle test every decision. So by battle test, you know, my understanding of battle testing is every decision I make in life, I put up against my values. Uh, and values to me is something that's ever changing. You know, my values today, next year might be completely different. Um, I've always got a kind of linchpin values, two linchpin values, which is integrity and connection. Um, but sort of my other three, I try to live around five 
my other three chop and change to where I am in my life. You know, if I'm anyway, another story, but, um, the charity, right. I set up life warriors. Uh, we started that process five years ago now, a lengthy process. Um, and the whole point of that was because I got really sick of the awareness campaigns. I was heavily frustrated with certain charities, um, who, you know, and it sounds very pessimistic and I guess to an element it is, uh, but I was just, I, I just got to a point where I just was so frustrated with poster hanging charities mm. um, or organisations that would hang a poster and think that they were doing the right thing by their clients. Uh, so we started Life Warriors to both work into systems and actual practical movements to make a systemic and cultural change in the state of mental health across Australia. And we be, we had big, hairy, audacious goals of around the globe, but, you know, let's start small um, and actually give people actions that they can do because we're telling people to have conversations, right? And, and, and they're a fantastic charity, don't get me wrong, but I'm going to use Are You OK as a, an example. We're telling people to have conversations which is doing really good things but when say for instance we didn't know each other and you go hey Matt are you okay and I'm not okay and then I do just break down we're not arming these people for these conversations it's essentially like dropping an apprentice at a construction site and saying build that house mm. you know we need to go through training and and it doesn't have to be a formal qualification by any stretch of imagination if you've got air in your lungs and blood in your veins you're overly uh, overly qualified to have conversations, but you still need a little help around how to have them, um, which is why I love positive psychology so much. You know, you can do positive psychology on a course on your laptop, really, if you want to go down that route, uh, and it just equips you with these elements. So we started the charity with that in mind, that we wanted to create frameworks for people to both learn around mental health, human connection, and the Life Warriors was my co-founder at the time who's no longer uh, involved. He came up with the name Life Warriors and it was just perfect. Um, it was probably a little bit masculine at the time, but it was just like we're creating warriors in life. So, you know, as they evolve, they then take the young cubs and evolve them with them. Um, obviously, we've changed the name now. We'll get into that. But then in the process of starting that charity, it took so long to get all the, the registrations and the DGR status and the likes and anyone who's done that will know how much of a tough process it is. That I started another business, a more commercial facing business in the Human Connection Project. Uh, and we had a meal prep company involved in that. We had some school programs some corporate workshops uh, and, and a lot of other different elements around human connection and mental health. And what I found, right, is instead of looking at the numbers of impact we were making, the people we were reaching and changing their lives. I spent more time on the laptop looking at spreadsheets and balance sheets and invoices in versus cash in. And I became more driven on how do we sell more workshops so we can pay the bills and keep the lights on, which is, you know, everyone has to have that, that in the back of their mind. But it took me completely away from our purpose and our passion and what we had started it for. Uh, and it gave me a real reality check of uh, when's the last time you actually counted how many lives you've impacted or when's the last time you actually took stock of the, the 73 girls that we spoke to at Ipswich Girls Grandma and thought we've impacted them rather than we've sent them an invoice and they haven't paid it. Mm. 
Um, so I had to have the really hard discussions with myself and, and I spoke to the board as well and said, hey, I'm going to shut down. And COVID was, a, well, you know, pushed us to do so, but um, I'm going to shut down the business. We've lost all revenue for the next six months anyway. We've lost all our, um, you know, our large events. You were going to come speak at a summit we were hosting. That all got cancelled. So I was like, hey, it's a perfect opportunity for us to uh, redeploy our resources, both time, money, and energy, into where it belongs in the charity. So I'm going to shut down the commercial element of the business. Um, I'm going to transfer all the IP, um, all the debt that goes with it. We'll deal with that in my name. Uh, and now we just have the foundation moving forward and everything we do now gets battle tested against what our end mission is. And our end mission is to work within the community to create, you know, emotional resilience and emotional well-being. Uh, that's every decision we make. Like getting on this podcast this morning, I had to battle test it against my values. I'm like, hey, okay, I've got to go to, I've got to do some consulting for a company around their corporate about their mental health after this. Can I give energy to Declan in this podcast and also show up to these guys? Like, so everything we do now is battle tested against that. Uh, and it just, it feels so good to be back in the purely the charity space rather than trying to balance this profit for purpose charity business. You know, I've had six balls up in the air and I was dropping them left, right and center. Mm. It's a, a pretty profound moment to have that level of self-awareness and connection with yourself to be able to make those sort of decisions and go, what really matters to me? What's the vision? What's the values that I can, as you said, battle test it by. And I know, I imagine that you also battle tested a pretty exciting idea and uh, event that you were just telling me about before we went on the podcast say that's coming up in August. Uh, can you yeah. share a bit more about that with our audience? Yeah, absolutely. So um, <clears throat> it's almost a little bit counterintuitive off me. However, uh, on August 16th, we are doing a, a, an event which is going to raise awareness, but the main focus of it is to raise connection. So we're doing a 24-hour challenge. It's called The Global Movement. Over 24 hours, we are going to, uh, not aiming to, going to cover 800,000 kilometres around the globe, which is the equivalent to, according to the World Health Organisation, how many lives we lose to suicide. Um, every single year and you and I both know that the number's much higher uh, but this is the reported number that we've, we've been given so 800,000 kilometres in a 24-hour period uh, we're going to walk run roll so wheelchairs scooters push bikes and swim so we want people swimming in their lap pools in their fancy apartments in New York we want people riding around in Amsterdam on their push bikes and people running through New Farm Park here in Brisbane um, but we want people to be doing it with a buddy if not more. Uh, that's why we've pushed it to August. We're hoping restrictions will be slightly lower uh, then and we can get in groups. So get a group of five buddies where you're bright and tights and just go for a 10K run. You know, you can do it at six, six and a half, seven minute K pace and have a conversation the whole way. So everyone that signs up will get their own fundraising page. You know, fundraising is a nice to have, not a need to have. You know, if people feel like they're aligned with the cause, similar to Charity Water, how Scott works in that industry. You know, if people want to donate and fundraise, by all means. But the main purpose of this element or this event is for 24 hours, we want to highlight to those that are struggling or feeling disconnected right now, that, hey, there is 80,000 people around the globe right now giving up their Sunday and Saturday to highlight human connection. Uh, and that's going to be really powerful. And, you know, of personal experience, if I had seen something like that when I was feeling dark suicidal 
you know, disconnected, I would have been like, holy hell, okay, I'm not alone. Now, there's, there's a perfect example of 80,000 people running around in yellow onesies, <laughs> you know, make it lighthearted, make it fun, make it enjoyable. You know, Movember is so successful and doing fantastic work, but so successful because it's so much fun. Like, mm. I want to grow a mo. My partner won't let me, but for one month a year, I'm allowed and I can walk around with a filthy mo and it's great and I'm raising money and, and of course, awareness for, you know, men's, men's health. Mate, 100%. I think that's a, something I really resonate with you on as well. I think there's a lot of alignment with, you know, our approach to BU has always been how do we make it practical, not just conversational, so not just doing like talking and awareness, but actual practical strategies, but also a big part of our approach has been how do we make mental health and well-being fun? Because I think when we take it too seriously, it becomes more overwhelming and more daunting and people are less likely to do it. When you're right, if we do it in a way that's enjoyable, if we do it in a way that's you know, a bit more lighthearted, a bit tongue in cheek, we like to say, yes, let's do the serious work, but let's have a fucking good time doing it. Um, yeah. It makes it way more uh, beneficial and sustainable long-term. So we'll obviously put the, the links for all that, for the event and for everything else uh, in the show. But for now, we're about to duck to a quick little break uh, to hear quick word from our amazing sponsor for this season and then when we come back I, I gave you a bit of a warning that this season we've got a new game we put guests through and you'll be going through that any moment now so we'll let the tension build and then we'll come back in good going <sighs> damn that is a good coffee and you know what i think makes good coffee even greater when it's doing good for the world. And that's exactly what our friends over at Monkey Brew are doing with their environmentally friendly and sustainable coffee range. Now, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you'd remember these guys, Monkey Brew were partners of ours in season one, and they've chosen to continue that relationship with us into season two. But my God, they've upped the ante. They've taken things to a whole new level. Let me tell you how. So one big change they've made, which I absolutely love, is for every kilo of coffee that they sell now, they plant a native Australian tree. So you can actually track and see the outcome of your morning coffee habit. How cool is that? Not only are you getting to start the day with a great cup of coffee, you're doing it with a good conscience and you're doing it knowing that you've contributed to their big mission of planting entire forests of native Australian trees. And the other thing they've done, which I'm so grateful for, is decided to give you guys a few really cool opportunities on how you can start your environmentally friendly coffee habit and routine and journey with them. So the first option is if you're a bit of a bit of a maestro with coffee already, you kind of you've got the hang of it, you know your jam, you're a bit of a guru already and you know what you're doing with home brewing. What you want to do if this is the case is head to Monkey Brew you're going to go to their sampler pack. Now, the sampler pack gives you a chance to try a few of their different environmentally friendly coffees, find your flavor, find your style, find the one that really speaks to you, and then continue your journey forward with them from there. If, on the other hand, you're more like me and you think the idea of home brewing is a bit overwhelming, a bit daunting, maybe you've never done it before and you don't know where to start, well, then the best thing you can do is get their intro to brewing pack. So this is gonna give you a chance to try some of the coffees, but it's also gonna teach you how to brew them at home and how to make amazing cups of coffee in the morning in a way that doesn't take a ton of time or a ton of know-how. I love how simple they make it. So for either of these, what you're gonna to wanna to do is head to 
https colon forward slash forward slash monkeybrew.org forward slash collections and here's the tricky part this is where you got to keep an ear at forward slash brewing dash and dash sample dash packs now if you can't remember all of that don't worry the link is in the show notes in the show notes of every show when you go there what you're going to want to do is choose either the sampler pack or the intro to brewing pack and then put in the code BU podcast at the checkout because that's going to get you $5 off your first order. So thank you again to Monkey Roo. We love what you guys are doing. We're so proud to be connected with you for season two of this show. And as I said, make sure for everyone listening, you go connect with Monkey Roo and you start your journey and you start your day with a great cup of coffee that's doing good in the world. Okay, and we are back after that quick little word from our good friends over at Monkey Brew. Uh, Matt, what the game is, the best way I've been explaining it this season is, you know, when the price is right, they have the giant wheel that they spin and try and land it on a dollar and they win a car or a holiday and the crowd goes wild and shit hits the fan and Drew Carey's like pumping everyone (laughs) up. Well, we've got something similar, but on a much more micro scale. So our (laughs) wheel is not a story high you don't win a holiday or a jet ski. Um, I'm not anything like Drew Carey. But what we do have is our random topics wheel. And <laughs> we're going to spin it and let fate decide what your last question of the show is going to be today or your last topic to speak about. And when we do it, we're going to go gut instinct answers. Like first thing that comes to mind, yeah. riff on it, don't overthink it, don't perfect it. So I always give uh, our guests the a bit of, control over this in the sense of do you want me to spin it anti-clockwise or clockwise oh that's good anti i'm always pushing against the grain there we go let's go against the grain here we go oh god okay here we go we will see what comes up i'm not even going to be able to read it i don't have my glasses on (laughs) okay matt you have drawn oh it's just ticked over it's ticked over oh this is fucking perfect for you it's ticked over onto yellow so yellow one is the billboard question which is if you could have Oh God. Yeah, that's an easy one. <laughs> every major city across the whole planet. This is weirdly perfect for you. I'm kind of like, this was fate. This was meant to be. The billboard in every major city across the planet. What would the billboard say? How good living. There it is. <laughs> I was watching it come around and I went, I reckon this is going to land on yellow. <laughs> that is perfect. How good is living, mate? I love it. I have two. I want two billboards. The other one would be purpose with a big fat line through it with passion written underneath it. I love it. Well, man, I was going to say billboards are dual sided, right? Like if you've got to drive towards work and see how good's living and then on the drive home, they see crossed out purpose and they see passion underneath. Yeah. I love it. Man, that's brilliant. Man, honestly, thank you so much for taking some time out this morning uh, to share a bit of your story to um, share your, your knowledge and your passion with our audience as well. I'm really excited for everyone to get a chance to follow along with your journey and the impact you're making and that positive ripple effect that you're spreading. Uh, obviously, we're going to put the links for the event coming up in August in the show notes, but where else can they best connect with you and be a part of this movement together? Probably uh, for the charity, just connection.org.au uh, or if you want to follow along with me having a yarn every now and then just m dot voice on uh on the socials mate i love that thank you again so much i really appreciate it i'm really looking forward to staying connected and to uh yeah, I, i'm 
a really big fan of people who are focused on collaboration over competition and making a positive ripple effect together. And I really admire that in you, man. So looking forward to uh, thank you to collaborate from here. Thanks for having me on. I uh, I enjoyed it and it was a really good experience. And that is a wrap for season two of the Wizards of Wellbeing series. Don't forget, we still have the rest of season two coming up for Insider Scoop, as well as for 15-Minute Mindset, the two other mini-series we run on this podcast. It's on this show. You don't even need to go anywhere else. Now, if you're loving these series on the show, it means the world to us that you let us know. We run this because we're passionate about it. My team and I are really dedicated to bringing you amazing people, amazing stories, and amazing tools and strategies to help you thrive in life. So it does really help us out when you give us a subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to, when you leave us a written review, and when you share the podcast with your friends and family, because together we can make a positive ripple effect that changes the well-being of the world. Now, of course, if you are listening to the show on a consistent basis and you're starting to think, you know what, I'm ready for those next steps. I'm ready to actually learn more about these tools and strategies to thrive. I'm ready to get that support and, uh, you know, tap into the knowledge and network of the BU tribe. Well, I've got some good news for you. You can click the link in the show notes or head to www.bucoaching.org forward slash accelerator. Now, when you're on there, you're going to find out all about our signature uh, personal development and well-being accelerator program. So it's run much like a collegiate system. We have members in their freshman year, members in their sophomore year, their junior year, their senior year, where you get to access the tools and the tribe required to thrive. We are incredibly proud of this. It's been changing lives all around the world. We're grateful to have members throughout four different countries at the moment. Actually, five different countries. Oh, we've, we've had a new country come on board recently. Five different countries at the moment. And we would love for you to be part of that movement so that you can not only fulfill your potential and live your best life, but make a positive ripple effect that impacts your loved ones as well. So make sure you go check that out. And until the next time we talk, you know what we do. Make an impact. Start with self and be you.